episode 245, part two of the Canes cast, Shane Willis. I feel like we've done this before, but at least now we know that the Carolina Hurricanes have their ticket punch for the playoffs, right? You sure do, but I'm really trying to remember what I talked about on Wednesday. So am I. We do have a lot of questions, though, via Twitter. I've been sitting here all morning just really wondering. I'm like, hopefully we can get close to what we talked about on part two. I think we will. <laughs> I think we will. Because we talked with Scott Burnside on Wednesday, and we, yeah. we talked with him again coming up here today. So we're all set. That was the easy part. I knew who our guest was. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing for me is at least we get to talk about Storm Brew again. We know that we never forget what we talk about when we're referring to the crisp, clean, refreshing lager made by R&D Brewing, where you can go sample at their seven Saturdays tap house on Capitol Boulevard. And now that the weather is warming up. We should be there right now. 89 uh, degrees today. We should be on the course having one to celebrate my birdie putt for 18 <laughs> holes. I mean, twice a week, though, is that we get ourselves in trouble. I'm, I'm well aware. At least it doesn't look like the storm of the century is coming where you wish to play on. This is true. Yeah. Just a little wind. <laughs> <laughs> and rain and falling trees. Yeah. The branch missed us by at least three feet. And day. lightning, yeah. you know, and I think a dragon. I don't really remember. I just. <laughs> it got ugly. Let's just tell you that. We, the sea was angry that day, my friend, and it was on the course. All right, Shane, we have a lot of things to cover. And once again, thanks to Stormbrew, the presenting sponsor here for Kane's Cast. I don't think that if we take a look back, I want to take a look back as a whole, not as the individual games now that we have the chance, yeah. of the two games against the New York Rangers where it's a split. The Hurricanes win Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden. Three-goal third-period outburst to beat Igor Shesterkin and the Rangers. And then last night, the Rangers, they get it back at PNC Arena with a 2-1 win. But for me, and I know it is the results-oriented business, but you take a look at how the Canes played those two games against the Rangers. I have a hard time thinking that the Rangers are now looking ahead going, oh, if we got to play these guys in the playoffs, that's going to be eat. No, they, they now know how, how hard it's going to be. And I think the league knew it anyway, but how hard it's going to be to beat the Hurricanes. I'll take that performance last night every day of the week. 100%. I'll take both performances because when you look back at game one, Mike, and Gerard Gallant, the head coach of the Rangers, talked about it after. He said, they beat us in every facet of the game. And when you have a opposing coach say that, you can be extremely happy with the win you had in Madison Square Garden and then play that way again. And the Rangers, again, you have to give them credit because they upped their game. Um, to win 2-1 here at PNC Arena, but I completely agree walking away. It's about how they played. And I thought Rod hit it on the head after the game saying, we lost the game. We didn't get beat. Right. You know, it's a one shot. Both power plays were scoreless. One shot in the third period by Adam Fox to win the game um, on a great pass. And the Hurricanes had chances after that to tie it. So... As you move on, today being Friday, as you rest and prepare for a busy weekend with the Leafs and Bruins, that is your only focus, yep. that you get the exact same performance that you had in both of those games. Well, the bigger picture, though, the Canes clinched a fifth consecutive playoff appearance. And in a former lifetime uh, covering this team, I used to be of the mindset of uh, there were times where it felt like the Canes were trying to be a team in the playoffs 
not a playoff team. You know, the the difference is a team that gets in the playoffs, you know, you're just kind of happy to be there and what happens? Playoff teams know they're going to be there. They're going to be there every year. This is the look. This is the swagger. This is what we carry. The Hurricanes are a playoff team now. It's a playoff organization, and you have to give credit. First off, Rod Brendamore and behind the bench and the tone that he has set from day one as the head coach. Just the tone he sets, period. I I don't even need to get into the, the head coach thing. And then the front office and Don Waddell and – just how that front office has come together and said, no, this is how we're, we have to do it. This is how we have to maintain being a playoff organization. we got to make some difficult decisions at times, and that's what they've been able to do. And now you have an organization, Shane, that every year the only way you can win the Stanley Cup is if you qualify for the playoffs. Well, for five straight years, the Canes qualify for the playoffs. That is a far, far better thing, in my opinion, than just trying to chase the dragon and hope that you get in. Now you know that you're in. Now the question is, what are we going to do once we get to late April and how we play? And, and the way that this team plays, it's playoff hockey. So I'm excited to see what happens, and, and we'll talk about this with Scott coming up, and I'll, I think I'll pick your brain on it a little bit more. I just think for me, the getting in part, that's the hardest thing. Where you fall into one versus eight or president's trophy or winning a division, it's, it's important, but I think that, maybe we put a little bit too much emphasis on certain things. If you're a good team, like Tampa, I don't think Tampa cares where they finish as long as they get in. Because they know, once you know how to win, you know it's about those four playoff series you have yeah. to play. And everyone starts back at zero. Right. And when I think, I was thinking about it last night in the drive home because you could see as reporters told Sebastian Ajo and as they told Rod Brindamore that the Panthers had lost and you'd clinch the playoff, they were excited. Yeah. But as Rod said, you check a box – and you look at the Eastern Conference each and every year, and this is how I thought about it last night. There's eight seats at the table, and you always want one of those seats. Yeah. But now the Carolina Hurricanes have been become one of those teams that it's not a sticky note on the chair. No, they're near the head of the table. Right? Their name is basically screwed on the back of one of those chairs saying Hurricanes. You put them there with Tampa, Boston. Yep. And so if you're in the Eastern Conference, when you come in every year, I really believe that there's other teams in the division, in the conference, that say there's not eight seats. There's four or five. So we're fighting with everyone else to get in one of those four or five seats because yeah. those other four teams, they don't go anywhere. And that's what you have to have. And I completely agree, Mike, that it's built from top to bottom. And there's been changes throughout the organization with new ownership with Mr. Dundon. Don Waddell taking over yep. as GM and president, aligning the staff, making Rod Brindamore the head coach, and it flows throughout the organization. You see it on – I'm lucky enough, you're lucky enough to be in the office and see it on a daily basis. Right. That, And the fact that I love that the culture from the locker room flows in this entire building. And I think that's another big part of it for this city, for the community, and our fan base as well. That's the flow. You pay your quarter, you get on the carousel, it goes around and around. and Got to have the great flow. You have it. Good haircut, by the way. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's, I don't know if I call it flow anymore. It's just disappearing. Uh, no, it's, <laughs> yours is hanging on, buddy. Uh, but I, I love that point that you just made. It's, it, it's through the whole organization where everybody feels like that. And I always go back to Canes being relevant. I, I did an interview with Rod when he took over as the head coach, and he talked about he wanted to put pride back in 
and the logo. And he, you know, he's wearing a Hurricanes t-shirt. You know, it's about that. It's about making it relevant. Well, you know how you make teams relevant in pro sports? You're in the playoffs every year. That's honestly, nothing else truly matters. You you can have a a superstar player, but if you're not in the playoffs, the player's relevant and your team isn't. The organization isn't. This organization is relevant now, and I can tell you that because take a look around the league at teams copying what the Hurricanes have done. Not just stylistically with how they play, but with their philosophy on players and drafting and trades. Like that that's relevance in the National Hockey League. And you know what? They might not ever get the attention, but here's something in every sport, just so you know. In baseball, Kansas City, even if they win a World Series, will not get the attention of New York or Boston. It just won't. It's it's doesn't mean that Kansas City isn't a great organization when they're winning. Doesn't mean that their players aren't as good when they're winning. It just means that attention's always going to be there. But I would rather be a team that every year, like what Shane said, I don't have to look for the place card for did we get invited to the dinner? No, you know that you're showing up. Here's here's what time dinner is. We expect you to be there. You know, every day in the summertime, I go to the mailbox looking for invitations, and nothing's ever there. Strange. Oh, I'll send you invitations. Oh, you just text me on to show up. That's uh, the same thing. But so. I agree. The invitation is there, and they don't need an invitation anymore. And you talk about relevance, and you talk about elite, and this organization is elite. They have elite players that lead the way. And there's a lot of people that just won't admit that. Won't I mean it's it goes back to I think where whether you look at media or um broadcast teams and things like that, it's just how they define the word elite. Right. To me. And we know because we see it every day. Um and other people just have different levels of that, but it's here. And it does take winning to get it. Okay, so you're a perfect person to ask this. You played for two similar NHL organizations, Carolina Hurricanes and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Both organizations... Very early. Both organizations had won a cup. The Lightning, before the lockout, they win in 04. And then the Canes, when the, the lockout happens, they win in 06. Mm-hmm. When was Tampa? Both those teams have won a Stanley Cup. Tampa won one first. Tampa was not considered an elite organization until they went on this run. Correct. And and it's it's been what? A decade of this run. Correct. It was like, And they weren't even thought of as elite until they won back-to-back cups. Like that's what it takes for places like Yes. For what Shane is pointing to and I just want to drive that when certain markets and media markets or certain ta- media companies won, look at it. Yeah. When Tampa won their second cup, I think there was people that didn't know they'd won one already. Right. In 04. Right. Like oh now we're good. Oh they finally that, won one. Uh they won one before. I mean that team was really good. Saint Louis, Le Cavalier, Brad Richards, Freddie Modine, Hobby Boulin, and that Hobby. And it's the same thing here. And you have to have that. You don't need. And I think when you talk about inside a locker room, going from a player's perspective, coach's perspective, it doesn't matter outside of those walls, what people think of you. You know, do you want to feel good? Do you want people to say everything, you know, great about you? Yeah. But it comes from a belief in the room. And as long as you have that, and it's so tight that it's not breakable or can be fractured, that's what helps you win. 
And this team has that as you move towards the playoffs. They'll continue to play that way. And I, you and I agree. Last night against the Rangers, you lose 2-1. to one, But that is the style you have to play. And teams don't want to play that way. There was a couple guys in the Rangers that wanted nothing to do with that style last night. And they're like, oof. I, there is one thing that I take out of that those two games that is for me beyond encouraging, and you know people are going to f- get fixated on matchups and what whatnot. The Canes penalty killers in both games. Wow, yeah, that's the word. They wow. were wow. They were they were incredible. They were surgical Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden. But that five on three, and yes, the Rangers had some good looks, and maybe they missed the net on one or two of those good looks. But Freddie Anderson made big saves. The three men who are out, and doesn't matter what the rotation was when they needed to get to a puck and clear it. Uh, and it was a minute 50 of a five-on-three. And you have guys who've scored 37 goals, 19 on the power play in Zibanejad. You've got Chris Kreider, who scored, what, a million goals last year on the power play. Some guy named Patrick Kane, who's going to the Hall of Fame as soon as his career is over. Panarin. Uh, Artemi Panarin. And Norris uh, Trophy winner, Adam Fox. Adam Fox. Yeah, that, That's your power play unit. Five on three. Five on three. And I agree. Surgical Tuesday night in the garden. I mean, holding the Rangers to one, the one power play, zero shots. Yeah. That five on three, I think they only had two shots, maybe three. And again, I go back to the group they had on the ice. But here's another question because we talk about the word elite. Yep. And the reason I bring it up, and we're laughing because we talked about this on Wednesday. We are one laughing. thing I, I was not going to let go. But. The broadcast on ESPN was talking about Sebastian Ajo and not using that word, saying the Kings don't really have that elite-level guy. Well, we know Sebastian Ajo, and everyone listening to this podcast knows Sebastian Ajo is elite. So, remembering the fact that the second penalty for the Carolina Hurricanes was to Jordan Stahl. Who came over the boards to start that kill, Mike? That would be Sebastian Ajo. You are going to sit here and tell me that that guy and those two defensemen that just killed off that five-on-three is not elite? How many guys that you know are in the category, I believe, that people think about, we'll just say Connor McDavid at the first, is the first guy over to kill a five-on-three in Edmonton? Does he come over the boards at all to kill a penalty, especially five-on-three? He might. He might. I'm I'm dead serious when I say that because he's on a different planet from everybody else. But you know what I'm saying, though. Yeah. They have – when I'm talking about, and to your end, Patrice Bergeron does that in Boston. Nobody's questioning if he's a lead or not. Thank you. Uh, It's just – Thank you. Just you you run down Alexander Barkov. Although it's funny, I don't know if people talk about Barkov the way that they should in Florida. Similar situation. But he's the first guy who comes over the boards. It's guys you look for, yes, Stahl would be the first guy if it was a normal five on three. He's elite defensively. We all know that. His right, but I, I also but think I'm when talking I, about yeah, I know what you're talking about. Rod, times, Rod knows though if, if Stalzi's gassed, he can go it's right there. Look, Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Line. Ain't jumping over the boards Ovechkin. in Columbus. Ovechkin is not coming over the boards <laughs> no. on a five-on-three for the Caps. Now you can say, well, center versus – fine, whatever. The, the point is you're tabbing your best offensive player to also go out there and do what he did defensively Correct. because he has that in him. And uh, we did – it is funny. Which I would like to factor into my definition of elite. <laughs> well, well I, I, I just think, yeah, it's nice you want the recognition – if you're a player, you want the recognition from ESPN, you want it from TNT, the hockey we news, all everybody we, who we talks all, about we it. We all have egos. We're all, we want the recognition from everybody. But 
if we're going to get down to brass tacks, the most important recognition comes from the guys in the league, right? From your fellow players. Yes. Those are the guys who know who's elite and who's not. Well, it's the one award that really matters to a lot of players. The one that's voted on by the players. Really? The Lindsay Award? Yeah. Yeah. It's important. I, I don't I don't doubt that. I mean, because I think that when those guys understand this is the best player or these are the best players in the league. But if you did a vote and you pulled the National Hockey League and said, who are the best players? Give us the top 20 players. The players are going to put Sebastian Ajo in the top 20. Correct. The media might not because they're going to, you know, vote guys who've been around forever and might not be the same players that they once were. And I'm not trying to – that's not disparaging anybody. It's just once you've earned a reputation, you're, you're there as long as you're playing. Yeah. But, you know, I I don't – I like talking about how good players are. I don't like doing comparison games because you're always at some point selling somebody short. Right, the conversation will never end. That's it. You keep going around in a circle. But for me, a superstar player is a guy who – when you know you, you need something big, he rises to the moment and does that. Sebastian Ajo has done that pretty much his entire career now. Another 30-goal campaign. He's got 31 goals on the season. That snipe he had, I need you to use a sniz. Thank you. The word <laughs> that you were using on Jalen Chatfield's goal. The sniz in Madison Square Garden. But I, I think when you look at certain teams, the way they play, it's not the focus on one guy. And that's how the Canes play. The focus is not on one guy. It's everybody has to play. And last night, and at Madison Square Garden. That was, that was the message Sebastian said in his interview with Trip. But it, at Madison Square Garden, Jordan Stahl, Stefan Nason, and Jesper Faust mm. were dominant. Dominant. Last night, Derek Stepan, Yesay Puglia-Yarvi, and Jack Drury were phenomenal. Was Puyarvi robbed for his first as a cane. Twice, but the, the one that'll stand out oh. is the third period. But oh. again, you, you just look at those things. But it's it's the entire team. We digressed a little bit there because I wanted to go back to the penalty kill. Oh, please do. <laughs> because if you were not in this building, you missed one of those moments. Because the face-off happened, and I, Hannah and I try and remain calm down in the corner. That would be Hannah Yates. Hannah Yates. A reporter for Bally Sports South. Yahtzee. Yahtzee! So we we remain normally very calm down there, but as soon as the face-off started, Sebastian really got into it in a battle for the puck, and I knew there was an edge to this kill. And every second that ticked by, every time the puck got pushed away, Freddie Anderson made a save. Wow, the energy that oh, built yeah. in this building. I mean... When you talk about the hair standing up on your arms, that was one of those moments. And the fans erupted. They got the kill done. Then they went back to work. Just uh, a phenomenal moment in that game. Um, and again, it was led by Sebastian, Brett Pesci, Jacob Slavin, and Freddie Anderson to start that kill. Jordan Martino came out after. Yeah. Brent Burns. Brady Shea. So just awesome, awesome stuff in both games. From the Carolina Hurricanes. Can I make it about us for a minute? What we do? Just to, sure. to, to piggyback on your point. That's why it's important for us to be in these buildings, Shane. That's why it's great when we have you on the road. For even the electricity there in, you know, in the garden. But for here, what you were talking about, there's always a, when you're calling a game, you know, you can't come out and it's, 
the last minute of game seven of the you know third period because where are you going to go as the game moves on? You, you know, if you're starting up there, you got to stay there the whole game. That penalty kill, that five on three, and the way the crowd kept building with every block, with every save, with every at the end of the kill, when Stahl comes out of the box, and we can the penalty. I didn't think it was bad. That it got helped uh, as his stick got flung, but you know, we again we digress. Right. Those things happen. When Stahl came out of the box and that roar, the hairs on the arm stood up, calling the game. Yeah. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, we're halfway through the first period. Where do I go from here? Right. Uh, I, I looked But I was, I, I was loving every second of it, and I was willing to find out where are we going to go from here. And then Sebastian Ajo scores. Hmm. And that was – was that a sniz? Uh, yeah, it was a good sniz. Okay, just – it wasn't quite you, high enough for the full sniz. Okay. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize <laughs> there's there, a height factor. There are height when you sniz. When you okay, yeah. I wasn't aware. Now we'll get the we'll get the full rules of the <laughs> sniz later on. But you know that happens. And, and those two games, just two teams kind of you know, looking at each other. Canes know what the Rangers did last year to them in the second round of the playoffs, and the Rangers are looking like you're where you're where we think we should be. You're in first place. We want all the of those accolades. Just two fun games, and again, the way that the Canes played, it was great. But the the PK, whew, you do that in the playoffs, you got a good chance of winning every series. Mm. So, uh, with that, uh, we will digress and talk to our good friend from CarolinaHurricanes dot com. He's Scott Burnside. Scott, uh, I think that we've just gotten some playoff hockey between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers with this home and home series that just was completed the other night. What's your takeaway for? at least if you're Carolina, for how these two games played out. Because I, I do have to think, if Igor Shesterkin doesn't get across on uh, Yesay Pugliarvi's drive there in the, the third period, we're talking about the Canes winning both of these games against the Rangers this week. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, uh, Mike. And, and and I think you're you're absolutely right. I, I know when we talked earlier on the forgotten tapes, the tapes <laughs> that never made it to uh, to reality. And, and just as an aside, I know that Walt Ruff is saving this for the uh, zombie apocalypse yep. and that, that those tapes will be the only reminder of civilization as we knew it. But, you know, we talked about how, you know, this stretch of games against elite teams in the Eastern Conference and certainly the home and home against the Rangers um, and the, and the value you can, you should put on it and what you, you can learn from it. And, it's, and this is, <clears throat> If we saw Rangers, Carolina in the playoffs, and uh, they played two games and uh, they were split as, as these two games were, that might be exactly what you would expect. And I think for me, the lesson is, um, you know, the, the Hurricanes in both games, I think it's fair to say, were the better team, certainly in the last 40 minutes or so of that first game in New York. And, and really, I felt all night, right? I mean, you limited the Rangers to 16 shots on goal. Um, in the game Thursday in Raleigh. So you've done your job. Um, and Shesterkin was Shesterkin. And it, to me, it just reinforces that at some point during the playoffs, in a series against the Rangers team or Devils, or move on and play Boston, or Tampa or Toronto, it, it is going to be about the collective. And you are going to need productivity from up and down that lineup and and Jesse Pugliarvi's shot off a terrific pass and a good one-timer got a lot maybe not all of it but Chesterton gets across and makes the save you know at some point 
think, you know, that's, that's going to be the difference, uh, not just between a win and a loss in a playoff game, but it may be the difference um, between advancing and not advancing. And, and, and the Hurricanes are going to need finishers. They're going to need players who can, you know, have that opportunity and, and, and score that goal. And that's from top to bottom, right? And this is a top to bottom team and you're going to need that. And they didn't get it in the two, one loss at home. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Uh, they did get, uh, I thought timely scoring from a variety of players in that first win. I think of a table Caravina's game winner off a delicious Brent Burns pass. So it happens, right? But it is a reminder that it is going to take a collective um, effort from the Hurricanes to realize what is significant potential once the playoffs start. I'm going to flip the coin a little bit, Scott, and go to Freddie Anderson because I want to get your thoughts on how much both of these games help him from a confidence side of things because I thought not only in New York late in the game, but this entire game, and he didn't face a lot of quantity, but I thought he made some quality, quality saves to keep the Hurricanes within a one-goal spread late into that game. So talk about Freddie's performances and how this helps him down the stretch. Yeah, no, I think I think it's critical, and and we can we can talk all we want about the power play. Yes, it's going to need to be more productive come playoff time. Uh, the depth scoring, all those things. It, I mean, we can talk about them till we're blue in, in the face. At the end of the day, w- the Hurricanes are going to need Freddie Anderson at his best, healthy and confident and calm and really just. You know, when he's at his best, and I think we've seen a lot of that in those two games against New York Rangers, making the timely save. Because he's, you know, this is a hurricane team that doesn't give up much. Um, so, and when you do give up opportunities, sometimes they're high quality chances because of the way the team plays. And Shane, I think you're absolutely right. I think these two games are really important for Frederick Anderson as we build toward what will be his first playoff. Um, appearance and performance uh, certainly for the Carolina Hurricanes and his first playoff experience in three years. He's been injured the last two years final year in Toronto and then last year for the Hurricanes. Um, I, and I'm the, what am I a psychologist a goalie whisperer I'm, I'm neither of those things but I have to believe that this is the process that, that Frederick Anderson will, will want to be going through through these final 10 or 11 games playing good teams being solid, giving his team a chance to win every night. Uh, and he did that in both those games against the New York Rangers. Well, if you were a whisperer, you could make a ton of money, Scotty. Not only in the <laughs> National League, but in all youth levels coming up. <laughs> well, let me see. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I, I'm uh, I'm not a professional hockey whisperer, but um, I, I'm an amateur. So if, if you're willing to, to go with me on that, I'm, I'm happy to do some whispering. Well, if we get a cut, that's what we're all about here on Kane's Cast. So, Scotty, we're, we're good with that. And you are Scott Burnside from Burnside on Hockey and special contributor to CarolinaHurricanes.com. That's Hurricanes.com. Also, he is the unofficial third member of Kane's Cast, which uh, you receive the same amount of payment that Shane and I do for this. So uh, we, we dearly appreciate that. Uh, but, Scott, uh, I think when we, we try to look at this Kane's team, and I, I want to go bigger picture, The bigger picture for me is despite the result the other night, the Canes have clinched a playoff berth for the fifth consecutive year. And no coincidence, it's every year Rod Brindamore has been the head coach for the Carolina Hurricanes. This team has made the playoffs. Big, big picture question. How important 
is Rod Brindamore to this team? And, and when you look around the NHL, is there a coach, and I know that Jim Montgomery has been phenomenal in Boston, but is there a coach that has a bigger impact on their team than what Rod Brindamore does here in Carolina? Yeah, you know, what do are we going to take for an hour and a half or two hours <laughs> and we, we're just on the segment on Rod Brindamore? And uh, so, as you know, I'm old and uh, have been around a long time. And so, you know, I covered uh, for ESPN the cup run in 06. And, you know, I remember, you know, being in the locker room at various times during that season and Rod Brindamore, the captain, and, and coming off of, big wins and immediately jumping on the bike and uh, in the gym and, and, you know, sweating it out post game and, you know, conversations with teammates over the years, whether it's Matt Cullen or Brad Hedekin or any of those players who were part of that championship team and, and Rod Brindamore's importance as a leader. It, it has been a seamless, it's just been absolutely seamless. Um, his transition from player to a really longtime assistant coach, uh, biding his time, looking for his, you know a head coaching opportunity, and of course it came in Carolina. And, and I don't think there is a way to overstate how important Rod Brindamore has been to this organization and to their current success vis-a-vis the playoffs. And, and again, this is it's old history, but having and we all were around for a lot of it. You know, you go a decade without making the playoffs, and, and how gut wrenching that is, and how really how how crushing it is for the players and management and the coaches um there's a whole bunch of fans now with this hurricanes team you know maybe they've come along since rod brindamore took over as head coach they don't know anything but hey who are we playing in the playoffs what are our chances of winning a series winning uh two or three rounds winning a stanley cup that's the reality that's where the bar is set every year in carolina now and, you know, there's no way to really juxtapose how stark the difference is. And, and it really does begin and end with Rod Brindamore and the people he has surrounded himself with, um, you know, the coaches on the staff and Jordan Saul's captain and go down the, the, the list from there. So, no, and, and it's, uh, it, it is an incredible feat to see what's been done there. I know, you know, you can talk about Pittsburgh making the playoffs every year since, you know, 2000. Seven I think was the first year they went back after Crosby's rookie year, but this is a, a really incredible streak for this team, uh, and it's well earned. and And uh, and it's exciting. It's exciting to contemplate every year that this is. It's not. Geez, do you think we can sneak sneak in the playoffs and then get waxed in the first round? It's how you know, what the top end is very high for this team, and the expectations are very high, and they should be. And I bring this up, and Shane, I bring you into this as well, because Scott, you know, Shane, you know, Rod will never take the credit for this. He will give it to everybody else but him. And I, I'm i going to now put it on, on Shane just for a second. How much does that empower the locker room and the players? Because he's not the guy saying, oh, it's me, or I did this, or it's my tactics that that's why we're in first place or why we make the playoffs every year. I think that is a huge part of the culture that is created. When you have a leader, as you do in Rod Burnmore, who is selfless, it flows in your locker room, and that is how you win at the sport of hockey. You have to have a selfless team that goes out there, and all you do is battle for the guy that's sitting beside you and across from you. And I think every player in that room, when you feel that from the head coach, 
it takes your drive and passion to another level, and it also changes your game. I talked about it a lot last night on the show that in day one in training camp, new players who arrive here are like, wow, you guys really work hard. And it's not, it's not just the first day of camp, it's every day. And that starts from the top, and once you get everyone buying in to that hard work, the system that's put in front of them, the selfless way you're going to play here in this jersey, that's how you win. And I go back to the year Rod won the Stanley Cup. When you walked out of the locker room as you headed towards the ice, the saying on the wall was, it's not about me, it's about the guy in front of me. And that's how you win championships. And Rod has instilled that. And when you have a leader and why he's a great leader, because he doesn't change on a daily basis. That's who he is to the core. And that's what you need, and that's why it's changed here over the last five years. I can't. I couldn't have. That's why I asked you the question. I don't. I appreciate anybody, it. I don't, it's well said. I, I was, that was beautiful. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I've got nothing else to add. You just, you just went old school on us right here. Um, but I, I, and that's why this team continues to thrive, and they face adversity each and every year with things, and people still, you know, outside of this area, outside of our fan base, are tentative to dip their toe in the water and jump in and be like, I'm in with this team. Right. Everyone here knows. Yeah. Everyone here is in. And that's what I love about our fan base. And Scott, you look up and down to me, really the, the Eastern conference. And we'll talk a little bit about the Western conference. I think we tend to look away from there too often, but in the Eastern conference, you, you talk about Toronto, Tampa, a little bit of up and down play from that right now. Not very consistent. The Bruins kind of continue to roll. Then you have the Canes, Rangers, and Devils. Do you still see or do you see any of these teams having an advantage at this moment, saying, wow, that's they're really going to be the one to knock off? Or do you still see it's up for grabs in the East? It's, I mean, we talk about the Wild Wild West, but the East is going to be so tight to the end. Yeah, I think it's, it's always really difficult. And I think it's to me it's difficult, especially when you have – really elite teams. And I, I'm not throwing shade at the Western conference, but um, you know, the, 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 the dominant teams are in the Eastern conference and, and the teams that have, I'm just looking right now and the, of the top six teams, five are in the Eastern conference. So, um, you know, the West, you know, outside of Colorado and in, in their pedigree and, and being defending Stanley Cup champs, there's a you can make a case for uh, all eight teams that are going to make the playoffs in in the Western Conference to advance to a West Final to advance to a Stanley Cup Final, um, and I you can't say that about the Eastern Conference, um, in that the, the you know the teams that are going to come in as a wild card are going to be real strong underdogs, um, but you can do the you you know the the teams that are at the top end were Boston, Carolina, Jersey, Toronto, Rangers, you know, Tampa is, is a little bit more inconsistent now, but their pedigree is, is unparalleled. Um, you can make a case for all of those teams to, to have this incredibly tough road to a Stanley cup final and maybe a Stanley cup championship. Yeah, I, I'm really curious about Boston because they've been so dominant. I'm looking to 15 points ahead of Carolina, the second place team in the NHL um, they are incredible and I, I and I, there's nothing to indicate this other than having watched Tampa you know blow a tire and be swept after 62 wins in the regular season and then get swept by eight seed Columbus 
I'm curious to see what happens when the Bruins do face a little adversity. Um, it may not be until the second round against either Tampa or Toronto. I'm curious about that. I'm curious about whether Tampa can elevate or whether they really, you know, three trips to the Stanley Cup final. That's, it's just, it's such a grind. So maybe, and maybe this is the year that the Leafs win a first playoff round since 2004. Um, and, 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 you know, again, we talk a lot about the Metropolitan Division, how close it is and the Rangers loading up. And, you know, we, we, you know, we sort of allude to, you know, the ability to finish is going to be so critical for Carolina. I think to me, that's the big thing. A, Freddie Anderson and goal. And can players elevate and find a way to finish? The Rangers brought in finishers, right? Tarasenko, Patrick Kane, um, you know, one Hall of Famer in Kane and one exemplary player in Tarasenko for his whole career, Stanley Cup champion. So um, there's there each team has, uh, you know, questions you can ask about them. But they all have the, the qualities, I think, that at the end of the day, you say, oh, yeah, well, that makes sense that the Canes are in the final or Boston or or Toronto or whatever it is. And that's, what's going to be the great part of it. And it is going to be, you know, all the things puck luck and health and, and, and those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, the, the East is going to be a bear. It just is. And, and to get through it is, is going to take a titanic amount of will and perseverance. And, you know, do you believe in your room? Like to me, that's what this Carolina team is, is about, right. The character and will and, uh, and process and, you know, so why not? Why not them? Well, Scott, this uh, gives me the opportunity to re-ask a question from the Walt Ruff basement tape from <laughs> Wednesday, which is, uh, as you've set it up in every team that you mentioned, that's who the Hurricanes are playing this week. They've, they've finished uh, the New York Rangers home-and-home, home, up next Toronto, then Boston, then Tampa. Can you look at this, even though the Canes now have a playoff spot clinched, can you look at this as kind of a precursor of, how they come out of, especially these next three games, we can look at it in totality of five and say, this is kind of a precursor for what we should expect in the playoffs or regular season is not playoff hockey. Yeah, I think it's frankly both. <laughs> because, you know, if you lost, you know, let's say you lose the next three games and people will go, you know, we, we can't beat the good teams or whatever. It, honestly, it just, it doesn't matter, right? It just, it doesn't matter. And I know, I think Shane will may take the opposite viewpoint here. Um, and yes, would it be nice to make a statement against teams that you, you might play? I think it's way more important, these two games against the Rangers, as we've discussed, because they are going to be potentially a first-round opponent, potentially a second-round opponent, if the Hurricanes can hang on to the top spot in the in the Metro, which I think they can. Um, no, the, the Boston-Tampa-Toronto thing is a little bit different because it's it's still like a lot of stuff is going to have to happen uh, before you could face them in the playoffs. Right. So I, I'm not sure making a statement by, you know, you know, again, go back to the hurricanes dominant win over Boston uh, not too, too long ago. Uh, I think those are important, um, but I really don't think it has any bearing if at some point you face one of those teams in the conference final, because that's what, that's what would have to happen. So I'm sort of like, well, you want to win, you want to stay in first place. I think that's, you know, that's an admirable goal to pursue. So you want to win these games. Um, and it's always good to size yourself up against, um, you know, the, the elite teams in the NHL. But I think the games against the Rangers are probably more, uh, they carry more weight than, than what is ahead against the Atlantic Division powers. 
Shane, you've already had the Frank the Tank answer to James Carville from old school earlier in this conversation. Do you have a rebuttal? I I think it's important. I kind of half agree and half disagree. I think it's important because I think we're looking at this and when you look at the schedule, and I, it's a very tough schedule right now, and I, I love that these Hurricanes are about to play Toronto-Boston-Tampa after falling up the Rangers in two games. But after that, you still have 11 games. I think it's still early to be saying, we've got to start making the statement now, right? There's still a lot of time left for things to change, to get on different roles. What I feel is extremely important and why I've loved the last two games against the Rangers, one, the comeback win in New York, yep. hearing the words from Gerard Gallant, the Rangers head coach, after saying they were the better team, they beat us in every aspect. Then here at home to once again see the Hurricanes play that style and come up short, and I do love what Rod said after. He said, we lost this game. We didn't get beat. Yeah. And that, yeah. to me, is the most important thing as you go through these heavy, heavy games, and then even the rest of the season in April, to be playing exactly how you want to play, making statements like that. The Rangers didn't walk out of here high-fiving, being like, we got their number. We don't, because they were like, whoa. We got two. We, we, we got have two to play like that yeah. in order to win, yeah. There's a couple guys in their room, Mike and you and I were talking earlier, they were going, I don't really like playing like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> this is no fun. You know. But the Hurricanes do think that style is fun, and that's why they play it. And so I think that is the most important part to me as you look at these next few games, to see the exact same effort, win, lose, or draw, as you face Toronto on Saturday, outshoot Toronto 30-16, to 16, and you do that on a nightly basis, your win column is going to be a lot heavier than your loss column. All right, here's, here's a bigger question, and I wanted to jump in after both of your guys' answers. Good stuff, too, Scott. Appreciate it. Uh, which is... You want to win as many games as possible. I'm going to state everything that's obvious here. You want to win divisions. You want to have the most points, right? You want to have home ice. That You want to be the best in the league. Thanks, Captain. No. Here's, <laughs> here's where the underlying question oh. comes into. In the grand scheme now, not back in the day, not 20 years ago, not when Gretzky played or Gordie Howe or not even when Lemieux played, not even maybe at the start of the Hawks or, or Kings run in the 10s here. Does it matter as much as it used to, to have home ice advantage in the playoffs? Or it's what matters is you're healthy and your goaltending is good and everything else will just sort itself out. That's that's what I'm I'm kind of driving at because, Scott, you're right. People are going to do hand-wringing if you don't win uh, these next three games. But really, does it matter because the Canes are in the playoffs? Like the, the goal is you have to get the ticket into the second season. The Canes have that ticket. They're not going to back off. They're not going to change any different in these final 11 games. I'm just asking a dead serious question because I think Tampa kind of showed us that a, a few years ago. Does it really matter to have all of those accolades heading into the playoffs? I think for me, the important thing is how healthy are you and are you playing? Like If the Canes play like that last night and lose every game the rest of the year, I still think that they've got a shot at winning the Stanley Cup because that's how you have to play to win the Stanley Cup. Very long yeah. question with lots of uh, lots of threads well, you, to pull here, guys. Lots of nooks yeah, and crannies no, in that question. Yeah. yeah, and you actually answered it too. That's kind of good. But I, I and I'll let me answer first because I'm curious to, to know what Shane thinks about uh, about this. And here's I'm curious to see what Rod Brindamore does. You know, again, now you you've locked down a playoff spot. Uh, I agree that Mike that yes, you have to be healthy. Your goaltending has to be good. You want to be. I hate that term, peaking at the right time. But 
you want to be in a nice a nice rhythm heading into the the playoffs. And I and I think it might be important for you know some of the players who haven't been in the lineup and aren't playing every night. Um, you know, do do they? You know, do we see some lineup manipulation down the stretch? Because at the end of the day, does it really matter? Yes, you'd like to finish in first in the Metro, and you'd like to have first uh, home ice advantage at least through the first two rounds. Of course, it happened last year, and in the end, it didn't. You know, home ice advantage didn't carry you into a conference final, right? You lose Game Seven at home to the Rangers. So, I think it's I think it's a relative thing. Yes, it would be nice to have it at some point. You're going to have to beat both New Jersey and or the New York Rangers to get to a conference final. So if you finish second, you know, it just, I don't think it matters as much as I wonder if Rod will try and get players into the lineup who haven't played a lot. And I wonder if you're going to, especially given the injury to Svechnikov and the demands on players like Aho and Netchas and uh, Jarvis and, and the, the players who are going to have to deliver the points if you give them a rest, so and I, you know, I'm actually going to get to a question. How do you feel about that, Shane? Like, if you're Aho, you, you're you're as fiery a competitor as there is. If Rod says, you know what, I want you to take tomorrow night off, take take this game off, and especially given the last seven or eight games, which are I hate to you know to say this because immediately you get you get beat by lesser teams, but they are against non-playoff teams for the most part. Is that okay? Like, how would you feel about that, Shane? The load management. I do think it's okay. I think these guys, again, when Rod Brindamore talked last night after the game, he's like, we just checked one of our boxes. And the players know that as well. So when I go back to my comment earlier on talking about playing selfless, a player will take the night off because rest is important and more important to the team than me trying to get another assist or another goal on my side of things. So I think players here would realize that. And it really all depends on how the player is feeling. Like I think if someone is really on the edge as a player, you're going to realize it and take the night off. So I think everyone has that buy-in. It's just a matter of making sure you're doing it the right way and managing it the right way to continue to play the same way. Because I think it's so important on game one of the playoffs that you are at your best, not only health-wise, but team structure play-wise as well. So I think players would be into it and look at it the right way. And again, I go back to the communication from the coaching staff, and the players. Everyone's on the same page. There's no different books being read in there and then all of a sudden be like, what what chapter are you on? Why would you ask me to do that? I think everyone knows and everyone feels the same way. They trust Doug Bennett. They trust Bill Berniston. They trust the equipment staff with everything they do. So I think the players, that's part of buying in. Going back to what Mike talked about, I think playing well, and I'm going to have to disagree that I would not be happy if they lost the rest of the games going into the playoffs because I think – Part of that, when we talk about mojo and things like that, and I do think home ice advantage is important in the sense of a game seven. And I just only I just used the Rangers as an example because they were here last night. Would you rather be playing game seven in PNC or game seven in Madison Square Garden? Now, the Hurricanes have a tremendous road record. So this is a team where I'm like, I would still feel comfortable, but you also don't want to give any advantage to another team, in a sense. I mean, the captain obvious answer is, yeah, you always want Game 7 in your building. I'm just going to a point now where I think maybe, just maybe, we build it up. There's probably only a couple buildings that you would be. I think we build it up more than what it actually is today. Because you take a look around, look at the road records of some of these teams. They're incredible. 
I mean, it used to be you win the majority of your games at home, 500 on the road. That's a hell of a season. I mean, you've got teams now, they might win 30 games away from their own building. And that's kind of unheard of. So, And I think if you ask the players, it would be different for every team. Like if you said, if you had to play game seven in New York, some of our players would be like, I love playing at the Garden. If you asked me if yeah. I had to play game seven in Buffalo, I would not play that game. Yeah. I would scratch myself. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's, that's to, just to go back to my comment about losing losing out if they play the way that they played yeah, against yeah, the yeah. Rangers. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. not saying just go lose, you know, no, just no, no, lose no, no. the game. I just think still the mojo of your where you start lacking a little confidence if you're playing that way and you're losing, does it get into your head of being like, hey, we're playing the right way and why are we losing? Then you start doubting. Yep. Then you come away from the system. Right. So, Austin Powers never doubts his mojo, <laughs> even when it's gone. Even when it's frozen? Even when it's frozen, in particular. So... Uh, we always appreciate the time, Scott. Part two, we're, we're hoping, I, I have to throw this on here. We're hoping this one actually did record onto the mini disc that we record all of our podcasts onto. We did check. Uh, you know, I trust, I trust you guys. And, uh, you know, and I trust that you're not really just having me on, you know, or playing an elaborate joke where you're actually sitting, uh, you know, in, in some sort of local establishment without any recording equipment nearby and just, really just, you know, um, indulging me rambling on about hockey and the Hurricanes. Uh, I hope that's not happening. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm always happy to chat. So whether you're recording it or not, I'm happy to be aboard. Well, I mean, it's just a way for me to get out of my office. Um, I just watched Mike miss a birdie putt. It's really what we're doing right now. Yep. So we just tell everyone we're taping the podcast. <laughs> well, you got me. You got me all worked well, up. Going, oh, I, I'm not like you, Mike. I don't want to lose every game. And I just blew that lie because I said it was a birdie putt, and that never happens. So we're playing, we're playing, we're playing putt putt. We're playing putt putt. They're all birdie putts. Which hopefully we're on the go karts later. <laughs> exactly, uh, Scotty. We appreciate it. One last thing before we let you go, Scott Burnside. Uh, you can follow Burnside on hockey to get Scott's thoughts on everything going on in the National Hockey League. But to anything coming up that we can be reading soon on Hurricanes.com? Yeah, I believe that um, a Cunningham uh, piece uh, will coincide with Whaler Night and uh, lots of memories from, from Skip and, and really one of the iconic figures of, of franchise history, of course, in the 25th anniversary. So that's coming. There's a Brent Burns piece coming along uh, um and uh yeah it might even be a a, a story about marty netchas and, and andre svechnikov uh sadly reported before the svechnikov injury but still i think valid nonetheless because they are such great pals and really have, have supported each other through um you know a lot of different kinds of adversity in their uh in their uh, careers in carolina and and i i think both of them you know certainly short-term and long-term are, are going to be critical figures in in the successes of this team moving forward. All right. We look forward to that. And as always, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, anytime, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you. He gets a double thank you. Double. Um, Always great insight from Scotty. I think he's no different than we are. Continues to grow and get excited for the end of the season. This is always like the stretch time for me. I'm like, Phew through these 11 games and get out of here. All right. I didn't want to jump into it because we were talking with Scott for a long time. I, I hate the term load management. I really do. Like, oh, we're going to There was a gentleman last night, and this guy is very in tune with numbers. Not analytics, but, like, the breakdown of different numbers. And he was – he talked to me about it last year. And last night, again, he started talking about – because he thinks that's important. 
he thinks you should be resting all the way through. He gave me a stat last night of a team. I can't remember the exact number. Um, I had my earpiece in. I had a, our producer talking to me in one, and he was talking to the other. But if how many players, if they play over 75, have never won the Stanley Cup and things like that. But, you know, everyone's going to argue the fact of you need to rest to be ready. But as an athlete and as a player, you also have to be in rhythm and in that daily routine be the same. So I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to what you can do. I think it really depends on what the player, the status of the player, if you will, on a health percentage-wise. If you got a guy that's playing at 50%, obviously you're going to rest him. You know, what's that number? Is he 75%? Should you give him a couple of days off? But I think that's a factor that's it's played into every single day in the decisions that Rod, Doug Bennett, and Bill Berniston make on practice time, practice level, practice length, workout time, stretch. All those things are factored in so that you don't have to ever, and don't think this ever happens anyways, hey, take two days off. We'll see you on Monday. It doesn't happen. The guys are still here. It's just depending on what they're doing. And when we talk about numbers and analytics, those are all factored in as part of the metrics to making sure that player is in tip-top form when puck drop happens at the start of every game. All right. To that end, the last time the Lightning won the Cup, there was a 56-game schedule. 56. Just uh, just quick numbers in my mind because these things – and I'm not trying to discredit numbers, but when they won the Stanley Cup in that hybrid season, now you can make the case, well, it wasn't 82 games. Okay. <laughs> uh, but they had 11 players play 54 games or more. Victor Hedman played 54. That was the fewest. Braden Point, Yanni Gord, Alex Kalorn, Mikhail Sergachev all played 56 games. Andre Palat, Blake Coleman, Tyler Johnson. Your best players, you're saying? 55 games. Your yeah. best players were okay playing that much? Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I'm putting that out there. But it's only 55. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I was going to say, that's it. That's what they're going to say. Oh, well. Yeah, you looked at the wrong fine. year, Mike. I mean, but no I one's was agreeing looking, with you right now. I was just looking at the totality of the schedule. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just used that's the word totality. I was just going to go back to right? totality. Yeah, you like that? What? Ah, ah, I got them all for you here. I, I don't, I don't. I don't get into the taking games off, but what you can do is you can manage the minutes. That's something that I think you can do in the game. Like you don't have to – Jacob Slavin and Brent Burns don't have to play 23 minutes. Yeah. Brett Pesci A little bit more Brady flow, Shea. everyone involved. Yeah. I mean, you know, you the step-on line plays more 15-16 compared to 10-11. Yes. Yeah. The, All those things. The Ajo line or the stall line, yeah. they don't have to play 19 minutes. They can play 16 minutes. That that I'm fine with, but the I'm other, with you. I, the other I don't factor of I don't know if I want to come out of games. It's not like you have five feel okay. guys sitting around because of the salary cap to just throw in and well, get guys the other night part off. of it. Yes. So does it really make a difference if you have a guy one game off? One game versus are we talking three or four? Well, again, it goes back to a percentage value of what the guy's at health. What if what if what if a guy has a work ethic? He's like, no, I'm healthy. I want to play. What if the player says I want to play? Then you play. But oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we have a, well, no, we no. have a stat here that says you shouldn't play 82 <laughs> games because now we're not going to win the Stanley Cup. Well, I mean, it depends on if you're a big numbers guy or not. Well, that's what. But that's I'm turning to a guy who played in the game. 
Oh, no, I stay in. If I'm 100%, I'm not coming out. Yeah, well, we, you can manage my minutes and, you know, just let me play in the power play. I'll be fine with that. We, we know that no. <laughs> but, all right, you know what? I'll even subscribe to that theory. Shane Willis, you're a specialist tonight. Coach, I'm going to play. Do I have to go in the corner? I, that was my whole career. This <laughs> was Rod. I was going to say. <laughs> okay, I take it back. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of questions to get into. So, Oh, boy. Yeah. I for know. a second time, by the way. Yes, for a second time, by the way. Uh, some people have resubmitted. I'm going to give the exact same answer. You should. That's what it's all about. Uh, if you are ready, we have a question about injuries. So we'll get to this one right away. Eddie Kane, what's recovery timeline for Svetch? Same question for Patches, Matt, Patch Ready, and Svechnikov. Please, when you're when you're submitting questions, please use full names. Yeah, I, I you know, I think let's go, Kane. So thank you, Eddie. In a perfect situation, Eddie, you'd love to see both these guys step on the ice during training camp next fall. Yeah, that would be in perfect mode. And I have to do this now. Everybody recovers differently. It used to yeah. be like, hey, if you had a knee reconstruction, remember yeah. those that used to be a year? Factor in the number of how old the guy is. Yeah, a year then plus. Everything changes. And, you know, now knee reconstructions, you're seeing guys back in six months. Right. Well, <laughs> that's the other thing you talk about. Oh, ask the guys if they want to sit out a game. You you think players are sitting out. You look how fast they're coming back. It's because yeah. they're hungry. They train extremely hard, and they're like, banging on the door saying, put me back in. And, you know, the, the Achilles injury is a six-month recovery time. That's what, I mean, that doesn't change, yeah. Eddie. So Both guys um, around in great spirits. Yes, that's key. Yeah. Always key. Uh, Daniel Wagner, why does it feel like we need to play a perfect game against the Rangers to get the win? They seem to get more puck luck, or am I just underestimating their talent? You're underestimating their talent. And I don't think you need to play a perfect game to beat the Rangers, but you have to stay out of the penalty box. That's one. Yeah, I'm, that's the hardest part, I think, about last night's game. When you lose 2-1, there's no glaring errors that they make and you lose, but you. that's why you can walk away and be like, it was a great hockey game. That's the nature of sports. Sometimes you, you know, it's not about that they played way better. I don't think they got puck luck last night. I thought Shesterkin made a couple huge saves to keep his team ahead of it, and it could have gone either way. That's one of the ones that can turn either way, and you walk around and be like, "Ma, what a game!" Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, touchy subject. This is from Echo Ruin. Echo. Yes, but do you think the Rangers are told to hit our rookies to try to get us to retaliate? <laughs> <sighs> Jarvis in the playoffs, Drury last night. But on a less weird note. Do you think we're better equipped mentally for the playoffs than last year? I like to think so. This team is always equipped. Yeah, I'm correct. not worried about yeah, that. They, they were equipped. La- People forget they won a playoff series last year. Yeah. They And they beat the Boston Bruins. La- they beat the Boston Bruins last year Yeah, in the playoffs. Did you call that game? Yeah. Did you call that game? I think, yes. Yeah, I think, I think we did. Yeah. In game seven. Yeah. <laughs> we called it. Uh, and, you know, that was – were they not – Mentally equipped for that? And just snuck by? No, they're mentally equipped for it, period. Um, sorry, this one's got my, my dander gone. Uh, yeah, really got fired. Um, I was going to also say, no, they don't hit our rookies. I think that is a level. When you play the game, you know where the younger guys are. Yeah. In a hard game like that, 
you lean on them. Right? Hey. Trying to make you trying to get those young guys to make mistakes. I didn't like the call on Drury, by the way. Oh, the cross check at no. the end. No, okay. My problem is when you say they're told to hit the rookies. That's not Jimmy Vesey's game. The hit no. that he put on Jack Drury. It's not. So and the crazy part is him and Jack are buddies. Yeah, <laughs> Harvard guys. Harvard guys. Uh, Brady Shea, Brady Shea, and Jesper Foster are great friends. Let's yeah. go back to the bubble and the hit that Brady Shea laid on Jesper Foster. Correct. So no, they're not told to hit rookies. They're not. Um, and, and Seth Jarvis last year, by the time the playoffs rolled around, he wasn't a rookie anymore. You know, he was a guy who was scoring points. He gets to the front of the net. So I, I get the question, but those days, was there a time and place, Shane, where hey, hit this guy, see what happens? Well, because your teams were built differently, you it could was, do that. It wasn't just hit this guy or. A lot of times, remember, coming into this game, strong message sent from their head coach. So, one, you better answer the bell and play harder and more physical than you did that before. But it's also, whenever you see hits like that, a team's trying to gain momentum. Right? Yeah. Oh, we're, they're pushing a little bit. How do we get it back? Someone's going to take a hit and get run. And that changes momentum. You can feel the energy on the bench. All right, Shane. Good answer, by the way. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this one from Kane's Chaos. Whose game has the most need for next gear as we approach the playoffs? I always, <clears throat> when I, again, I under, I get the question. Um, I wouldn't use next gear because I think everyone's, and we just saw in these last two games, played so hard. Yeah, I don't think it's a gear. I think if you think of which guy could get hot, right? Which guy you want to get hot? I thought Freddie Anderson was hot yep. both these games. I thought defensively in the penalty kill was hot. I'd like to see the power play get hot. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that could be anyone. You want everyone to start scoring, right? You're going to have tight games. You know, Sebastian Ajo scores. Marty Nature. That's what I want. Yeah. You know, you always want sticks to become red hot. I think they're all in top gear. I thought these guys look great um, in both those games throughout. And we talked about the step on line, playing some great quality shifts. Yeah. Every defenseman, Freddie Anderson. So that's what I look for. This is, you know, even though we have Kane's Chaos, which was a very odd name for your parents to name you, but we like it. Um, the way I'm looking at that, that chuckle actually makes me laugh maybe <laughs> almost as hard as your laugh does. Uh, I think you're looking for like a player in points. Uh, for me, it was Tavo Teravine, and I think he's getting red hot. And that's a huge goal he scored against the Rangers. Um, you're looking for guys like that. But it's it's not just again it's not going to be one guy, it's not going to be like all oh, if all of a sudden if Seth Jarvis scores every game from here on out to the end of the, the regular season it's not going to be when well he's on the next gear, because playoff hockey is completely different. Right. It's not a gear. Yeah, it, it's it's playing Shane just. But I you are having you are having a good day on the podcast I, with answers, man. I had a great sleep last night. Evidently, you know. Uh, but to to that answer, it's you have everybody playing the way that they're playing right now. Playing hard, yep. playing ready for that. Agree. Uh, Betsy Duggins wants to know if she can resubmit this, wants to know if I'm having a rough morning. No, I'm having a great morning. Great morning. I got to do a podcast all over again. When you Shane. wake up, and this is, you know, I kind of describe, I was talking to um, an agent who I knew last night on the concourse. What are you, who are you running into? I just run into a lot of people. Evidently. Um, he lives in Chicago, and he's like, man, I love it down here. Like, when you can wake up, on a Friday, and walk outside, 
And no, it's going to get to 89 degrees on March 24th. I don't, I mean, even though you inhale a little bit of that green dust that might bring you down a notch, just hammer some Zyrtec, crush some coffee, and, you know, take in a Friday. When you're looking at two games, three games, two games on the weekend. Not only that. You load your cooler. You leave work early. You load your no cooler. No one leaves work early here, just so you know. You load your cooler with? Storm Brew. Thank you. You get one prepared for Friday night, just because you're going to hang out, probably yeah. watch some college basketball. A little, little pregame. You get the second one ready for Saturday. Oh, yeah. The hat trick cooler is ready for Sunday for Whaler's Day. Is anyone else having a great day right now? I am. Let's talk about it. I am. Although, when Only you say- The other thing we might need, Mike, is I keep going here. I've had a lot of coffee. Maybe a little scoop of ice cream. Could really take us to another level. Oh, we'll get, when it's we'll 89, get to, we'll get to that. <laughs> peel our shirts off and burn a little bit. Make sure, make sure that well, you can peel your shirt off. I'll, I'll roll up the sleeves. I don't want a harpoon thrown at me on the. I don't golf want to course. get too hot. I'm gonna have to start cutting the grass. I'm not into that right no, now. No, no, that's not happening. I'm just gonna say when you say bring you down with the uh, the green dust, that's usually what you hack up. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll do the uh, the name drop. I took uh, Don Lagreca. By the way, one of the radio voices for the New York Rangers. He fills in for uh, Kenny Albert had to drop him back off at his hotel after the game last night because Kenny's going to be joining the Rangers, so he's going back to New yeah. York. And on the right, he goes, I love this area, man. He goes, so nice. just how – and there's a guy who is a New Yorker through and through and just was talking about I mean, it. That's probably the easiest thing he ever said. So uh, Betsy, she wanted to resubmit her question. Betsy's back. This is a good one because this is where we get to give credit to a lot of people. How does all the equipment and personnel – Get to away games. That's a lot of stuff to take. Sticks, unis, helmets, towels, drink containers, etc. You fill up a plane with all that. One thing, um, towels and the water bottles. Water bottles, they're provided. Busy, yeah, yeah the home base supplies those things. Yeah, those are there, so you don't have to carry those. But Bob Gorman, who is the head equipment manager of the Carolina Hurricanes and does a phenomenal job, and he worked with Skip Cunningham, who is going to be honored on Sunday on Whalers Day. Um you know, they, nobody did it better than them. Nobody does it better than Bobby. And then George Alves, who is elite, creme de la creme. And then Nick Waugh, Patrick Buds, but it's also Matty Aiello, the uh, assistant athletic trainer, who helps. And everybody pitch in, pitches in. It's a full, full group effort to make sure that the equipment gets to where it needs to go and it's in the right spot for the guys. And you told the stories about what these guys do, and they will never, and I don't think people understand, ever get enough credit for how hard that job is in the hours they put in during the course of a season. Yeah. Um, Bobby Gorman was here when I played, um, and the rest of these guys, players can't thank them enough for what they do. Um, the equipment truck leaves here. The players get in their cars. They go get on the plane. They get their lunch. These guys load the plane. A visiting team truck will arrive when the plane lands. They'll fire it all back on their truck. And as the players and as we get lucky enough to get on buses with coaches and head to the hotel and get in our bed, these guys go to the rink. They pull out all the equipment. It's not in the bags when the players show up the next day. Every locker room is set up exactly how the trainers and players want it to be like they're at home with all the things. That's the other thing you look at when you're going on a trip and, you know, I'm not sure if Betsy has kids, but when you're, when you're loading up, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have their blank? Everything that a player needs that they, you know, Whatever they had, because everyone's got their own needs. Those trainers have it. And there's never anything missed. I think as I drink my coffee here and really buzzing, looking to score some more sniz, um, it would be a great behind the scenes thing, you know? <laughs> it would be a great behind the scenes 
um, video by our our great media team yeah. here with the Canes. Maybe do a twenty four seven with Bob Gorman and the staff. I mean, we probably wouldn't be allowed to show you some of this stuff, but no. But I mean, just to see that, right? Day in the life. <laughs> Let me just say this: the camera guy would find a new respect for what these guys do if you had to follow them. Oh yeah. And then, hey, you know what? Instead of heading back to the hotel, we'll probably just crash here on this couch by the room because the guys are coming in a little while. Yeah, or we don't stay at the hotel that the team stays at. We stay at the one nearest to the rink. Because I can get to bed faster. Exactly. Uh, Tina Izzo, really enjoyed your last podcast with Jeff Daniels. Thank you. I don't should have heard the one we did on Wednesday. Oh, my, (laughs) even better. The first time we answered this question, Tina. Uh, The Canes really do have a great team of coaches. Curious, though, your thoughts, and this goes back to the game Tuesday night. Why two clear penalties weren't called when Code Kanyemi was slashed and Ajo was cross-checked. Refs had to see them, right? The refs are human. There is a human element. You said that on Wednesday. To the game, yes. <laughs> and it's part of it. And what I, I'm going to say this, and some people don't buy into this. I hope that you do. But the refs miss calls that the Canes commit. Yes, and that's, that's what I was going to say. Everything balances out in a way. It's it's because they are human. Now, if you want to know the way to fix this, Shane and I did a podcast with Rod Brendan. Yeah, I'm not sure the number in that one. I will I will look that up post haste while you talk about it. But okay. I mean, we'll just tweet it out later. Is it? I'm just Rod asking, talks about doing reviews and, and video reviews. It wouldn't take too long. It wouldn't slow the game down. But I truly believe that those. I, I agree with you, Mike. That those missed calls average themselves out. Yep. And the only thing I, the cross-check on Ajo, going back to my player's day, that's With, not a penalty. Yeah, the Trocheck play. It's no, not a penalty. It not. It's incidental contact. He turns around. He just protects himself. Yeah. Right? He doesn't extend his arms in a driving motion. I asked Sebastian about it yeah. the other day, and he goes, eh. Now, if a Canes. It, literally, his answer, he like shrugged his shoulders. And, eh. yeah. it was, he goes, if, it was nothing. If the Canes would have gotten a penalty on that, earlier or later, yeah. then you're upset. I, I think what I don't like is, and this is where, you know, it's different officials, too, every night. Depend on the, the player, too. We all know Vincent Trochik, yeah. and that was not his intention. True. <laughs> we now, also if saw it was Truba, you may have been like, hey, but. Yeah. Mott, Goodrow, the players who have that reputation. But what bothers me, then, is Jack Jury gets called for one of those yeah. on Thursday. I didn't like that call. Yeah. So and, that's and the problem was and it was a trail official. It was and it was the second time coming down, but I mean, he just took a high hit and his helmet was flying off. You could have even that up right there. Yeah, you could have. Again, so, human error. The, I the agree. answers are humans. Yeah. Uh, episode two thirty nine: Rules, Regulations, and Rod. Two three nine. So go back. R R R. Tina, if you li- and I know you did, but listen to it again because Rod has his suggestions. They're not taking away jobs, and it's not doing. Any, it's also the hardest sport in the world to officiate. Yeah. A great show in the locker room that day. Uh, Zach Martin, thoughts on the Canes going back-to-back 100-point seasons for the first time in franchise history? We love it. Yeah. We talked about seat at the table, baby. Setting the standard. There, You get 100 every year, your seat is solid at the table. Their standard is the standard now. That's what I love. Mm. Uh, second, this is going to make this man unhappy. This is Bill Bernstein coming to you live from the Canes locker room. How's the ice cream in New York City, and where did y'all hit it up for dinner? Woo! The ice cream Van Lewins was phenomenal. And Van Lewins. Do you ever 
Did you tweet out a picture? <laughs> His name's not Van Leeuwen either. From remember, you and I were talking about a long cam Polly. Oh yeah, that's all I can think of. The guy <laughs> trying to get insured. Yeah, no. I wonder if that's his ice cream shop. Um, I, I gotta know. look that up real quick. What his uh, name was? Uh, <laughs> that being said, I was gonna I was gonna say, how grateful are you for me being a fat kid who loves ice cream who asks for hot fudge on top of his ice cream? Well, so you get yours for free. Yeah. So let's go back into the story because I'm like. In, here's Shane's brain working right now. I'm like, we talked about this, but no one heard this. Right. So, <laughs> what happened is we go in to get ice cream. We are fired up. I had a great list of flavors because Mike and I talked about it. I almost forgot about it because I was tired trying to get back to my room. And Mike goes, um, what about ice cream? I was like, oh, yeah, we got to go. So we walk in. We make our selections. Shane selects peanut butter brownie chip. Just amazing. Yeah. Two scoops. The young man behind the counter works, you know, puts in my cup, and he goes, would you like any toppings? And I you? I said, no thanks. Why? I'm cheap. Thank you. My alligator arm said, no thanks. Mike steps up. He orders. I ordered praline butter cake. Unbelievable. Wow. With hot fudge. With hot fudge. Which the, the very polite young man behind the counter goes, you know, it's vegan hot fudge. Right. So now I feel he even better only, about my life choice. He didn't only finish that it's vegan. He goes, toppings are free today. And then looks at you and goes, why didn't you get one? Because I've never been in your store before and you didn't tell me. <sighs> Obviously, I handed my cup immediately back yes, to him. you did. And joined you in the vegan hot fudge. And it was delicious. It was good. What? A, by the way, what a way to, pan, to pad off the pancakes that we had. <laughs> it was a three-block walk to the ice cream shop. It was. Well, a New York City block is a longer block. And we burned those pancakes off because they were so loaded for sugar. Oh I mean, it God. went right through me. Yeah. Well, we actually, that's why I turned the wrong way. <laughs> Didn't get directly did to the ice cream. extra block. Uh, those were top three pancakes, right? Easily top. We, apologies to Bill Berniston, but... This is Bill Berniston Top coming three to you live from the Canes locker pancakes room. Ever. And apologies to my mom. Right? I got to apologize to mom because, you know, your moms make everything great. Yes. Well, I mean, three. mom can be in the top three. Yeah. We didn't say where these were in front of. Where can I find this guy's name? <laughs> it was, uh, the pancakes were good. Uh, dinner was, uh, we went to an outstanding Chinese restaurant. Was it Chi? Chi Chai. C-H-I. I did not, uh, I have not gotten the full. Leland Van Lu. <laughs> <laughs> Leland Van Lu was the guy I'm thinking of from Along Came Polly. He was the daredevil trying to get insured by Ben Stiller. What's the ice cream place? Van Lewins. <laughs> it might be his. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. Leland, we appreciate the ice cream. <laughs> Great job with the ice cream. Uh-huh. Chrissy. Wants to know, who is the most underrated Canes player this year, in your opinion? There's a <laughs> underrated, underrated is, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the ratings, like who's a superstar, who's elite and all that. Yeah. But if we're talking about underrated players, Jalen Chatfield. Yep. Uh, I, I, I thought he's been phenomenal. Uh, you know, played in his 100th game in the NHL the other night, his 82nd with the Carolina Hurricanes, and he has been we, can we throw Brady Shea in there? Has he been underrated this year? Like, I always want to. I always want to throw Jordan Stahl in there because I just don't think he's ever appreciated enough. I mean, for what he does, the, the coach appreciates it. The players, the league does. Our whole like, team, from the from ESPN's perspective, is underrated. Well, that's there. there you go. <laughs> done. Answered. Thank you. Well, wow. Well done by Thank you. Thank you. 
had to get that one out of the way. Uh, oh, now I have a whole bunch of people trying to sell tickets on my uh, situation. Whoops. <sighs> For Canes games? Yeah. Why would you sell those? I have no idea. <laughs> Just show up. Yeah. Well, you can't come to the game. Uh, all right. Well, this was a response to something else. So... Two days uh, of Twitter feed is just getting really messed up. Right Paul now. Paul Lawson wants to know who forgot to press record the first time around. Look here, Paul. Scottish man. You wee beastie. <laughs> we push the button. Everyone said that to me. They're like, who forgot to push? I can see that it's red. I make sure every time Mike hits it, it's red. Yes. It's glowing. When we take out this little thing called an SD card, why, does it, why is it so small? We can't tell if it's on there. I know. I'm not a computer guy. <sighs> we did know. test it today, though. Yes, we did. <laughs> we made sure. Yes. You if this doesn't happen it. today. If I this doesn't know. happen today, I am I am no longer recording Gainscast. Untrue. Until we get new equipment. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Swank. Seeing Jordan Martin create chemistry with whomever his line mates are is quite impressive. He just seems to make everyone better. Question for Shane. Who else on the team creates chemistry like this? And who was great at that when you played? Great question. Or who you played with, I should yeah. say. So, love the uh, response of you answering your own question of Jordan Martinuk and what he does. Thought his energy was huge last night. I think that's when you play with a guy like that, it just opens up the ice for you. When he's buzzing, using that speed, creating turnovers, any offensive guy or shooter wants to play with him because you know you're going to have opportunities. So, um, I think he does that. I think Marty Natchez and Sebastian Ajo are guys that do that because of their elite-level skill and what they can do to open things up. Um, when you look at guys I played with, you know, obviously i got to immediately think about the guys I play with the most and Rod Brindamore and Marty Jona. They, the chemistry we had, I mean, go back to two guys who worked harder than anybody, played physical, created turnovers. My job as a shooter was to find an open area to get those shots off from that hard work play with a guy like Ron Francis, just the vision and the way he can pass. Yeah. You know, I think when you look at elite-level shooters, you go back to Alex Ovechkin, who you know, I think everyone has turned to say he will break Wayne Gretzky's record. The chemistry he's had with Nick Backstrom his entire career. Right? Yeah. The way he passes. Yep. You know, almost Gretzky-Curry-like. I mean... Different game, but... Adam Oates is a guy who I think of. Adam who, Oates, Cam Neely. Yeah. Too short of a career, by Ad, the way, by Cam Neely. Ad, but Adam Oates and Brett Hull. You know, a, a sure. passer like that where if they can set sure. up a, a sniper for what kind of you shot. You look here, you know, Ronnie Francis, Jeff O'Neill. Yeah. Right? But, you know, if you Jeff get was a, guy, a shooter. If you get a guy who puts it right there and you can go sneeze. Yeah. I mean, when they land flat, sneeze is pretty easy to do. Way better. I mean, especially with it. the sticks they use nowadays. Way better when you say it. Uh, Storm Cellar, do you believe that we'll see Jamison Reese or Max Lejoie added to the roster for the playoffs with the Wolves likely out of the race? Those two guys playing well. I would think it might benefit them both to have some time around the big club. Yeah, the taxi squad will be back. Yeah. Uh, the, always. The black aces are always there. But yeah. when you say roster for the playoffs, yes, it'll be for the playoffs. Yeah. So Not before. I mean, you got to remember, yeah. salary cap, everyone's pressed up against it for moves they made and injuries. So I think we'll definitely see some of those young players around. It's important for them to um, see the atmosphere, yeah. skate, yep. you know, whether they're with the team or after. And it goes back to those guys' focuses of – being a sponge, right? Taking everything in, everything they're learning from Bill Burnison each and every day, because you can put, you can start your summer training. 
right. basically. Oh, yeah. You know, what can I work on when I get out of here? So uh, important piece for those young guys that are uh, in Chicago right now. Uh, best medium meals in the league besides PNC? Well, it's not Madison Square Garden. They don't even offer one. This is Bill Bernstein coming to you Bill, live again, from the Canes locker room. Food is mentioned. We're going to drop Bill here today. Um, I do not. I don't get very many, so you take this question. I don't eat the medium meals anymore because I don't eat before games. Okay. Like uh, for everybody wants to know why, you know, because I used to on the reporter role. I used to eat, but I only had you know brief appearances in the play-by-play role. I am fearful of two things. I will eat something and it'll be stuck in my teeth. And then, of course, that goes on the internet and yep. the internet's forever. And I have teeth where it's just going to happen. Sure. That that piece of spinach is not going anywhere. Well, I'm sure your partner, Trip would tell you if it was there. Yes. Okay. What's your second fear? Afterwards, he'd be like, I was there. I just thought you wanted it. Thanks, Trevor. It was a style thing, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, the other, but the other reason, and this is actually the first reason, I am afraid of I will eat something and it doesn't agree with me. And to have that happen on a broadcast is not good. It's probably tough. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's not easy. It's a long game. I mean, Sit there in full clench for two and a half hours yeah, would be tough. <laughs> at Madison Square Garden, the uh, restroom in the press box is not in the press box. You have to go into the stands <laughs> and hope. And hope. Yeah. I only so, hope that you find an empty f- facility that yeah. it's clean. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but to answer the question, Detroit. Detroit has this incredible spot. Yeah, I was there. Little Caesars. So, yeah. I've been there. So, you know. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, Detroit, uh, Tampa's probably second on that list. Uh, this is for you, Shane. How do you ignore the people behind you yelling and screaming during the pre- and post-game? Difficult for us watching to hear and pay attention to the great stuff that you and Hannah Ray Yates, Yahtzee, put out. Most of us wish they'd move it. Well, happy mom. Hey. That's a great question. Probably the most asked question I received. Yeah, I was going to say, you and I dealt I, with it, yeah. and now it's uh, I continues. actually enjoy the crowd uh, as a former player. Yeah. It kind of fires me up and kind of gives me the energy. Hannah does a great job with it because she wears two earpieces, and it helps block it out. Yes. Um, I agree with you. I love the energy. I love the noise. What we've started to do in our stage manager, Jess, who – takes such great care of us, likes to fire the crowd up. But I actually talked to her last night, so maybe you notice a little bit of a difference. Let's talk to the crowd before we come on. Let's get that initial roar, but let's, let, let's bring it back down to a very, not quiet, but a normal kind of room because that is what we're trying to do, right? You're, not, you're at home watching the game. We're trying to give you the breakdown of what we've seen and what happened and all the behind-the-scenes insights. So for you, we're going to continue to work on that. Uh, we're there's just no room for us to push the people further back because there's an entrance to the uh, arena bowl right behind us. But um, we're going to work on keeping it to an area where you can still enjoy our commentary. There you go. Let's keep it with the TV side of things. This is from Carl. Hey, Mike and Wilbur, any idea if the Canes games are shot in 4K? Also, the NHL put out a video asking players what their stick flex is. Any idea what the flex of some of the Canes players use is? What's the highest or lowest? Flexy. We'll get to, first off, 4K. I don't think that ours is 4K. It's HD. I think national games are 4K with the equipment. I think we're getting to 4K. We are. So Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and uh, stick flex, I defer to you, Shane. Okay. I deferred to the 4K because I was lost. Well, the funny thing is uh, the stick flex, we did have this 
kind of be brought up at Madison Square Garden. You were talking about. Yeah, we were watching. Uh, Burnsy was preparing some new weapons in the hallway, and I had talked to Trip, and I said, I looked at Brent's stick in the room one day, and I couldn't even bend it. Like it was so, so stiff. I think the lowest flex for a guy is around seventy-five. Highest flex would be in the hundreds. Again, everything changes. One hundred five. Okay. Ooh. Maybe one ten, and that's basically like concrete to me. Um, every player is different, and why they like it. Different shooters, different feel. Kick points is a real thing. So is the kick point. More in the middle, middle of your stick? Is it more in the bottom, yeah. closer to the blade? So many different factors in technology. Again, when you talk about guys working on their craft, and we know how much Andre steps on the ice to shoot pucks when he's healthy, that's another thing they're looking at, right? Let's try this stick. And it's funny, though, and was it last year or two years ago we saw it? Was it Brady Shea was using somebody's stick, right? The guy's going through, not feeling yeah. it. And all of a sudden, you're going out, you're like, I'm just going to. I kind of like your curve. I'm going to use your stick in practice to get a little feel for it, and you change things up. Paul Coffey, one of the greats who was here for a short time, I remember getting called up, and Coff was great with all the young guys, but walking out behind him to practice, he'd be standing at the stick rack. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. I'm going to try someone's stick. You would basically take someone else's twig every day, just rip the tape off of it, and go practice. would look totally the same, which is unbelievable to me. One, after ripping the tape off. But someone else's pattern, everything, just give it a go. But everything's different. It's 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 a fine-tuned, you know, piece of their equipment that has to be right each and every day. Everyone always asks how often players change sticks. That's a mental thing. I was just going to ask you, were you a tinkerer, or did you stay with the same thing? Curve-wise? Different time. Uh, just the stick, whatever. No, I stuck with the same thing for throughout. Um, but... When you change your stick, is so funny. Everyone's like, how do you know? I'm like, it's just a feel. It's more mental. Like, you have a bad game with one, that thing gets fired. Like, it's not the stick's fault. Yeah. But it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, you weren't you weren't a baseball player, right? Nope. Yeah. Same thing with a bat. Yeah. You know, it's... Did the... This is what's going to sound weird to me. Did the appearance of the stick, when you talk about you know, the pattern, or does that matter to you? Yep. Like, the, the color of the paint, whatever it yep. was. So, when you whenever I would go in to get a new stick... Right, they're not cut. Everything they're the same length. I would grab three. I wouldn't really look at them on the shelf. I just grab three, and I'd put them on the uh, you know holding them in front of myself, looking down the stick to the blade. And I would pick the one that visually looked the best to me. Little okay. insight. Oh, look good, feel good, play good. My first year pro, I would get down to two, and then our assistant equipment guy in New Haven. I would say, pick the right one, and he would select my stick. Uh, this is from Eric. No question, but just want to say you and Shane do a great job. Five stars, best friends for life. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Ross, this we need to ask this one again because it was only two questions. How much of what we see on the ice is structural and practiced positioning versus being just improvised? I know face-offs, PK, power player designed and practiced. What about the rest of the game? It's it's structure. Everything have a structure, structure to your game. The game moves so fast; it's not stop and go. You know, like football, where you reset. So basically, you have your structure, where you're playing, what you're trying to do, but then you also have those alternate positions of if there's a breakdown, what happens next? Right? The here's what we're playing. A. If it breaks down, you go to B. As it breaks down again, you're at C. Um, 
to make sure you get that structure back to where you want it to be. All right, Sherpa Jones with a good follow-up and a good name. Sometimes during a broadcast when the Canes score off of a face-off, I hear the phrase, that was a set play. I've never quite understood what that means. Can you explain it? Coach Shane Willis, explain a set play off of a face-off. Right. I wish I could, you know, grab the telestrator and just show them, but obviously I don't think the head coach would want me to break down every one of their set plays so everyone knows them. When you see them run, again, yes, they're off of face-offs. They have them both, offensively and defensively to get out of the zone quickly, obviously defensively, and put pressure on the other team. In the offensive zone, you'll see more. I don't know exactly how many the Hurricanes have, but plays where the face-offs won back to the blue line, the defenseman starts going down the board, you'll see a forward kind of pop up in the middle. The pass is either there for a quick shot, or does the defenseman continue down? Again, there's an A and B. If the pass isn't there, you're not going to throw it just because it's a set play. What do I do if it's not there? So there's a few different ones they run, and, you know, that's your test going into the rest of the season is watch and yeah. see if you can see them happen. You can get their Sherpa, but basically it, it's, it's how they line up, how the draw, wait, yeah. like what, what Shane side just said. Face, what side is it on? Exactly. As, as Shane just said, if it goes back, if it's one cleanly, there'll be two options. You can either go to the middle of the ice, you can go down the wall. One of my most favorite design plays, I'm going to go back a couple years when the Hurricanes were playing in the Central Division, playing Nashville in the playoffs. It was a one-draw back. I can't remember exactly if it was Dougie Hamilton or Slavin that carried it down the boards, but the other defenseman actually streaked down the backside. It was a pass across the crease. Ta- like, to catch... Because there's a winger in front as you're going out. You're not expecting both D to all of a sudden go. And it was a perfect play. One of my favorites. Yeah, keep that one in the back pocket. Uh, the Muffin Man wants to know, how many pocket squares do you have, Mike? Uh, one, two, three. Just got two new ones. So I have five pocket squares and two that are sewn into the jacket that I can just pop out. You got a did couple. you have one last night? Yeah, I did. See, I, I wore one in the garden. I didn't wear one last night. It's my bad. Uh-huh. No, if our wardrobe affects the world, the world has some problems. <laughs> well, it actually does. Uh, this I was is- wondering how many muffins you have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I could answer that question because somebody wants to know where's our favorite coffee to get in the triangle. And for me, it's Groovy Duck. Uh, Garrett Cotton, It's he's going two for two. Favorite coffee spot in Raleigh. I enjoy Groovy, Groovy Duck. Duck because Mike brings it to the podcast. I do. And then he wants to know, Mike, did you always want to get into sports broadcasting? Shane, if not hockey, what were your other interests growing up? Uh, no, I did not want to get into sports broadcasting. I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be a player. Uh, would have been baseball or football. Probably would have been my path because I've been told skating is very important to hockey, yep. and that is something I don't do very well. Seen um, it live? Yeah. Yes, you have. Hey, I, I went six feet and didn't fall over any anybody or no, myself. You did great. No, I did not. Where was I asked for? I asked for the seahorse. <laughs> yeah, and you did not provide. I did not. So. Just if I can get the turtle, yeah. I'll move my way around the ice quite fine. Uh, no, I wanted to be an athlete when that wasn't there. I was actually wanted to be a columnist. I was going to be a writer. And then writing, you have to spell words correctly. And that's a bit of a problem for me. Yep. Uh, in autocorrect, does not help me anyway. Uh, and then I was going to, I had a serious uh, moment where I was going to be a history teacher. I was going to go get my teaching degree and teach high school history and be a baseball coach. That's what I was going to do. There but instead, go. instead, I injured my knee, didn't play football, walked into the student-run radio station, 
in college a billion years ago, and here I am. Here we go. How about you, Shane? Well, you know. That would have been a good history teacher. Or yeah, I mean, that was, it was, it's crazy you say that. That was number one on my list. Get out. History teacher. Ah! Shane Willis. Canadian history. No, I'm just kidding. My my dad and my alma listening are laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, he's so full of it. Um, it was not a history teacher. So, obviously, playing hockey my whole life, you have those dreams and goals. But the other thing, and this won't be a surprise to anybody because I love my other role with the Carolina Hurricanes and working in youth hockey and working with kids, not only in sports, but when we go to schools, all of those things. I grew up working at a hockey school, so I always had great connections and a great, you know, ability to connect with kids. So I thought being um, a PE teacher, I always, I always had great connections with my PE teachers, probably because I thought that was the best class in school. So I thought about, you know, going down that path and becoming a teacher in some way and continue to have that kind of effect and on kids back home. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, we both would have been. With a, with a uh, minor in history. Both would have been in the educational field, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, minor in history. I did not, I did not actually, I took history courses in college. I took a couple of teaching courses in college. I'm actually not that far, well, probably now I'm a million miles away from it. I wasn't too far away from getting a teaching degree, mm. but here I am now. Much better. Caswell uh, Kaniak, has anyone from the Canes PR staff reached out to Bob Seeger for an official Chatman do rendition. Perhaps just invite him to perform a storm surge instead. Only problem with that is I'm fairly certain Bob Seeger is a big Detroit Red Wing fan. Yeah, but they stink. That is true. <laughs> uh, Caswell also doing a good job. He uh, CC'd Trip Tracy on this one. If anybody oh. could make it happen, you know it's Trip. Yeah. So, uh, Mike Jackwish. Self-verified, saved 20 bucks. <laughs> it's on Twitter because you have to pay. See, this is why you're not on. Yeah. Twitter is going to take away all of, like, the classic verification so anybody uh-huh. can just copy anybody from here on out. Uh, favorite pizza in the triangle? Linwood Grill. That's up there. That's okay. really good. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, you don't, eat, I enjoy you don't eat pizza. You don't eat bread. Sometimes you don't eat I like pancakes pizza. and ice cream. I eat pizza after the game in New York. Yeah. On the bus with you. Yeah, you did. You did. Great place. I think it's called uh, Domino. There's Barro. <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best, hut. The best. Ooh, no one out. Does. No one out. <laughs> no one out pizzas the hut. Uh, <laughs> uh, Danny Carter. Why are we all here? Uh, I th- I think we're all here it, too. Well, wait. On Twitter, we're all here to annoy each other. Oh, that's why I'm not there. Exactly. Um, I thought you meant here. I was gonna go back into my. Can I give Friday? Coffee, 89 degrees, get your coolers ready speech. Can I give the, the answer I gave on Wednesday if you don't you remember should. it? Um, because the meaning of it all is there is no meaning. Just enjoy it. Just go out and, and do your best and have fun. Uh, and that is the, the meaning of it all is there is no meaning. is from the movie The Legend of Bagger Vance. Yes. So. Go find that swing. That's it. Go out I think you've lost swing. it, sir. Oh, I, I never had it, sir. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, over the last 25 years, which which Canes jersey do you like the best? Uh, broadcasting, I do love the 25th anniversary, the Reds. The numbers are super easy to read, but stylistically, I, I do love the black with the two storm flags on it and, you know, the little 
Easter egg of the state of North Carolina in between the two flags. I, I, I think that that one looks, it's just sharp when you I see do, it. I do have to say, though, I do love it when the green whale come out as they will on Sunday. On Sunday. Uh, and then we have one of these. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Dave Patchen, yes, say Puglia Yarvi, will score significant points in the playoffs. I mean, we'll take it. Obviously taking it. Can I say yes, say? Yes, you. <laughs> yes, say you should. I think it fits right there. Um, the only thing about I wa- I really wonder if he scores that goal last night. If Shesterkin doesn't get across, does that kind of yes you know, take the take any of the the weight the monkey off of, off of the back as yeah. you might say? Yes. Hey. <laughs> uh, this is a question from Tuesday's game, but I think we can bring it back. Uh, Howie Dewitt. Take me in the locker room, second period intermission at Madison Square Garden. What's the discussion? Is Rod up there on a whiteboard talking strategy, or is it quiet and everybody's resting? Always wondered what goes on in the Canes locker room during intermissions. Okay, so here's the question. We all have this thought process from every movie we've ever seen that there's always, like, speeches and everything going on. Sometimes it's 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 a 50-50, right? Sometimes the coaches are in there and things are happening. Most part, guys are just kind of yeah relaxing, just, resting up. The message the is always don't uh, – my first thing is don't overthink this. The message is always way shorter than you think. But going back to Tuesday, it was a quiet confidence. I think they were playing at the right level to know they had the confidence to come back in that third period. So I think that was the message, right? And Rod talked about it after the game of we really stuck with our game plan. And that's all I would have to say. We're right there. We're knocking on the door. Stick with it. Believe in what you're doing right now. Let's muster up another another level and win this hockey game. It would have been simple. Less than two minutes of a conversation. Yep. Uh, Rupik, why don't the players like to call the coming back from injury jersey yellow? Because yellow, throughout history, is a color that is associated with, and if you watch cartoons as a kid, and uh, Shane and I, I'm way old, but remember Yosemite Sam? You yellow-bellied, yeah. lily-livered. Uh, yellow is a color that is usually associated with fear or cowardice, so nobody really likes to be called yellow. Uh, that's why. So it's the golden jersey. You just move on from there. I was trying to... Th- uh, I'm also searching again. Um, yes? I was trying to think of the movie. Oh, here we go. The other movie I was thinking about, on, I said this on... <laughs> after Van Lu? <laughs> after the Van Lu. Um, it was a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Inside Out. You ever watch that one? No, I did not. It's but is that the one where the the, the emo- yeah the emotions yeah yeah in your head like uh, it's a solid movie. Yeah, and I think yellow is fear, right? Blue is sad. Red is anger. Green is happy. Might have brushed by that one. Disney movies and I don't have a good history. <laughs> I've told you this before. Why not? Because uh, I had a, a run of going on dates in high school and college. Like, Disney movies were big things. And, like, immediately afterwards, like, thanks for the movie. We're breaking up. It's funny. On this movie, yellow. I don't know if it's yellow. Yeah. Yellow's joy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Red's anger. Blue's sadness. Yeah. Green is disgust. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah envy. That makes sense. Uh, Jim Ramsey, has Rod's system that he wants the Canes to play evolved at all over his five seasons as coach? Simple answer on that one, Shane. Yes. They're always looking and managing games of trying to figure out how do we take the next step. There's no content in that room of we're good enough. 
What are you changing? And I think that goes back to the other factor in that question right there. Every other team is changing. So if you don't, you're behind. Uh, Zach Palma, who do you think the biggest X factor will be going down the stretch the last few games? Why is it Jalen Chatfield? Let's just take this as a chance to appreciate Jalen Chatfield one more time here on this podcast or podcast. Either way. Uh, Thank you for that. Thank you. Really official. This one from Dean Plunkett. The NHLPA released their player polls. Vegas was voted the favorite city to have a day off. Dean is Canadian because he put an unnecessary U in the word favorite. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. Considering Rod's famous focus on preparation, training, post-game routine, and team structure, what are the rules for the days off in Vegas? There are no rules other than don't be an idiot. Correct. That's it. Uh, And then Dan Berniston. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. This might be where we end this one. Okay. What are both of your top three Billy Joel songs in no particular order? (sighs) I'm, I'm. Mike's looking at me right now because I pulled up my phone. You should. I am horrible at name that tune. That's fine. As I, Mike found out in New York as he and, you know, just continues to every song that comes on, he rips out with the names. I know it's not, and this is where head athletic trainer Doug Bennett will get mad at me. It's not, we didn't start the fire. That's not in the top three. It's not? Not in mine. No. I have. Piano Man? Piano Man is in my top five. It's not my top three. So. Go. Do you want to go first? Or you, you want me to go, go first? Okay. So, uh, you absolutely, positively, when you're talking Billy Joel songs, people always sleep on Vienna. That is in the top three. It is phenomenal. I would love to go with scenes for an Italian restaurant because it's like 97 minutes long, and it's really great, but I'm going to go pressure because if you haven't heard it, that's fine. And then if uh, – I don't know how many people are into 80s Joel. Eh, not, but uh, Keeping the Faith was always a favorite song for me. It's not mine. It's only the good die young. Thank you very much. Thank you. As I scroll through this you list. Get in, like Piano Man in Vienna are like yeah. that 3A, 3B, but I just <laughs> I think people sleep on yeah. Vienna. I'm going to disagree with Mike because as I look at the words, I don't even know the songs. <laughs> and I'd have to hear them and be like, that one's good. I don't like that one. I'm just. Fair enough. Maybe that's, maybe that's my. Your, your, your audio. I'm an audio kind of guy. Your audio. That works for me. So, this is a good way what to What a show. This. Good way to, what a show. Enjoy your Friday if this happens this to come out. second time we did this. If this hits the airways, what a day. My goodness. That's why we do this. Shane, last word completely to you. It's a big weekend. It's Friday. What I need from everyone is a hat trick of coolers. Thank you.